0: we actually got some responses that sort of had the, yeah, the... the If you read between the lines and sometimes if you just read it, um, they seem to imply that they they didn't ask for this criticism. And on the one hand, I, can, I, I sort of understand the sentiment because you're just going around minding your own business and then all of a sudden this weird robot tells you that you made a mistake and you check it and there's no mistake in there. I mean... I understand that you would get annoyed by that, but the feeling that you didn't ask for certain critique really doesn't make sense to me because, yeah, we're in science and basically critique is the way we move forward.
1: Welcome to Everything Hurts. My name is Dan Quintana from the University of Oslo and I'm here with James Heathers from Northeastern University and a very special guest from Tilburg University in the Netherlands. We have Michelle Nauten here. Welcome and thanks for joining us on the show.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me.
1: Pleasure. Now, you, uh, it, it's funny, me me, and James have been, have been talking recently and we've actually realised that our show has been almost turning into a meta science or a meta research podcast which fits perfectly because that is the topic of your research which is meta research now can you tell us a little bit more about the sort of work that you're doing michelle
0: uh well actually you summarize it quite well um just in one word meta research and it's 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 a super broad field actually. And, and also my, my dissertation, my, my, yeah, my research for my PhD is focused on basically all aspects of it. So um, yeah, I've, I've, done a, uh, I've, I've written an article about reporting errors in uh, the literature. I'm also investigating publication bias. I've looked at the merits of replication studies. So there are tons of different topics that are all related to how we can improve science, and more specifically, in my case, how we can improve uh, psychological science.
1: Mm. Now, one of the um the the first time that your name actually popped up at least at least in my feeds was with uh with Statcheck or the development of Statcheck which you're uh instrumental in um in bringing up and developing. Can, can you tell us a little bit about Statcheck? Uh
0: yeah. Uh well, Statcheck is a a free tool basically to uh check your statistics in your paper. So you can you can sort of compare it to a spell checker. Um, But this one is to check whether your reported statistics are internally consistent. So roughly what it does is it scans your article. It searches for different combinations of numbers and letters um, until it recognizes the statistical result. And using the numbers it extracts, it will calculate whether these numbers are internally consistent. And if they're not, it will flag it as an inconsistency. So
2: basically it's a back calculator.
0: Yeah. You could say that.
2: And that's awesome. Um, because when you release it into the wild it finds it finds a lot of people don't front calculate the right way. <laughs> um, I, I I was um It's obviously look I think it, it's a fantastic tool and there's been a lot of discussion about it because not just because it found an awful lot of people who have errors in their front calculation, but because it hurt a lot of people's feelings, <laughs> um, which is a, a, a little bit funny, but also a little bit suggestive. And I've been wondering for a while how, how you felt about people who were upset about it.
0: Um, that's a good question, because I did not really think about how that could happen beforehand, because... Yeah,
2: neither did I. From
0: my end, <laughs> I created, <laughs> well, I created it with uh, together with my colleague uh, Sasha Epscom from the University of Amsterdam, who actually uh, yep. started this project, and I sort of came in later. Um, but the basic idea behind this tool was really just to make our life easier if we wanted to say something about a large bunch of literature and about reporting inconsistencies in that literature, but also just to to offer a tool to researchers um, to check their own manuscript. So, uh, yeah, at first, I was very surprised that people yeah seemed to feel sort of threatened by it, but then, I also had to admit that i'm I'm sort of living in this meta science bubble where everyone is yeah looking for tools like this to improve their work. But if you're not really involved in this kind of research, I can't imagine that it sort of comes across as this scary tool that will uh yeah sort of search you out and point you out as as that you've done something wrong. So people are hmm. afraid that this this um, yeah insensitive robot will accuse them of fraud or something. So <laughs> this this yeah it's it's a, yeah it it got a life of its own so to speak.
2: Yeah, I Dan uh, brought this up. I don't know what episode. I don't know anything about what episode anymore. Um, but. Dan was saying a while ago it was handy because the first thing he could do was run all his own papers through it, and then if I'd, once he actually found something, and it, it turns out you'd made a very minor error, and he was so happy with himself um, <laughs> that that see, and to to me that felt normal at the time, um, and it didn't feel particularly. I mean, if you if you used it and it didn't detect the right thing. It doesn't feel like a judgment to me. It doesn't feel like it's uh, problematic. The idea of flagging something in public and then saying, oh, well, I suppose that needs to be checked. And then you check it and nothing's wrong. Um, I don't really f- f- fully get the point where it's a problem. So,
0: You mean from the from the perspective of the researcher who gets flagged? Or what do you mean?
2: Yeah, but we're—I we're, suppose—we're we're speculating on other people's motives at this point. Um, yeah, well, yeah. I was wondering, because there was there were there were a few there were a few fairly strident responses, and um, I don't know. It's, it's maybe it's just indicative of a culture where you're not really—it's not really the done thing to go around checking what people did.
0: Yeah, I guess so. I think I think Dan's nodding. Yeah. <laughs> and we actually got some responses that sort of had the yeah the the if you read between the lines and sometimes if you just read it um mm. they seem to imply that they they didn't ask for this criticism and on the one hand i can i, I sort of understand the sentiment because you're just going around minding your own business and then all of a sudden this weird robot tells you that you made a mistake and you check it and there's no mistake in there i mean I understand that you would get annoyed by that, but the feeling that you didn't ask for certain critique really doesn't make sense to me because, yeah, we're in science and basically critique is the way we move forward. So, yeah, I've I've mixed feelings about these semi-negative reactions we've got.
1: Yeah,
2: it's really, it's really
1: understandable. It's really odd. You know, putting it that way, because yeah, we we do work within science, and and this actually forms an automated way of actually checking a, a whole bunch of papers, um, which you've done on uh, via via Pub here. And um, I've seen a lot of people. Uh, I even saw a, a conversation on Twitter a few days ago where someone described Pub here as a cesspool. Now it's a cesspool because of all these uh, robots going around, which is a, which is a bit harsh. I think um, I've seen that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I was also mildly <laughs> surprised about that.
2: <laughs> um, well, let's not pretend. Let's not pretend that the 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 most strident thing on PubPeer is a robot that checks your uh, whether or not your statistical calculations are internally consistent. The meanest thing on PubPeer is a whole generation of people in microbiology and similar. Uh, punching the shit out of each other because they think that other research groups are guilty of serious image manipulation and sim- similar sorts of problems. Um, think, there was a paper yeah. on that the other day where some heroic woman hand checked twenty thousand papers that had Western blots and what? Three, three. Yeah, I know <laughs> three point three point something. I think it was three point two percent. Don't quote me. Three point two percent showed Im- uh, evidence of image manipulation. And that the, is the really idea a lot. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. Um, the the idea that this is like compared to that kind of environment, and that's generally what's happening when you have when you have a, a the, the the pub platform was stuck together. They didn't quite know what would happen, and if there's a central story of what's happened, it's that. Um, uh, yeah, if, if there's a message from that to anyone who has had stat check flag their work i think it would be uh cheer up it could be a whole lot worse Uh, can you imagine hand reviewing 20 i mean that's exactly why you build a tool like this so you don't actually have to look at twenty thousand images oh wow it hurts my brain thinking
1: about it so what was the what was the the story and the origin behind the development of the tool how did you sort of get to the point where like all right we're going to make this thing and put it out there in the wild
0: um, yeah, well, it, it actually started a very long time ago. In preparation for this interview, I, I looked up when we actually started because I, I always I, I always actually remember and then I think, nah, that can't be it. But I've been working on this for five years now. And huh. um, yeah, it's actually a really long time. And I was still a master's student at the University of Amsterdam at the time. And um, my uh, fellow student, Sasha Epskamp he uh, basically designed it. And the reason was really just sort of, uh, yeah, to make our lives easier because he watched uh, my current supervisor, Jelte Wichertz, who is also very big in the meta research field, um, working on reporting errors together with his PhD student at the time, Marianne Bakker. and they were just, yeah, they were checking papers by hand uh, to see whether they were reporting errors in there because they had seen a very high profile paper with a lot of errors in it. And they were sort of like, this is kind of weird and now we think about it. Why isn't there sort of a blinding procedure in the analysis phase? Because we try to blind everything else that we do um, to avoid bias in our conclusions, but not in the analysis phase. So they they were working on that and Sasha sort of observed that, observed that and he was like, this seems like a very simple procedure, basically. So why don't we automate this? And relatively fast, uh, the first version of StatCheck uh, was created. And I was, at that time, very interested in meta science, but also I wanted to learn a lot more about programming. And I just sort of tagged along. And now, five years later, I'm the maintainer of the package. And we've uh, done a shit ton of work in fine-graining the... the um, yeah, the regular expressions in it to really fish out the correct statistics from articles to recompute uh, certain right. numbers. Uh,
2: that would so, be that yeah, would be the, really the body started, of. Uh...
0: Yeah.
2: Oh, sorry, that was Skype.
0: Oh sorry. no, was... I just I just wanted to say that that, that that was really the reason why we started it, just to make um, this line of research easier to conduct and not to have to check fifty thousand papers <laughs> by hand.
2: <laughs> for sure. I imagine a lot of the, the work in maintaining it is making sure that the expressions that are in the software can successfully identify what is actually the being reported for any given combination of words and brackets and results, etc.
0: Yeah, Exactly. Yeah,
2: Which is, yeah, this is when you think about the the number of creative ways people can say things like that, it's probably quite a difficult task. And something that you probably, I mean, is there a machine learning approach to that at all? Is there like a natural language sort of thing? Or do you just go through and try to get better rules through observation and testing?
0: Um, yeah, we we uh, started with just very rigid rules, actually, um, and because there are so many ways, like infinite ways, to report your statistics, we hmm. really uh, focused on a very specific reporting style, namely the uh, APA reporting style which is used throughout uh, all psychology research. And the good thing about APA reporting style is that it's super specific. So it's not only if you write your reference list, uh, put the title of the journal in italics, but also if you report a statistical result, um, do it in this way always. So based on that guideline, we were, yeah, it seemed relatively easy to create just one regular expression uh, to fish out these results. But even within these guidelines, there are actually quite a lot of ways that people can still um, report it. So, yeah, it's a rigid hmm. way of reporting, and, but luckily we had some some explicit uh, rules that, which, yeah, which and statistics to extract.
2: Journals and reviewers aren't always consistent as well. I'm sure you found a few that have probably <laughs> driven you crazy.
0: Yes, and it's usually the typesetting part. The worst thing is that sometimes, for reasons that no one can comprehend, um, typesetters remove mathematical symbols, such as a, just an equal sign, and replace it with an image of an equal sign. And this just makes... Yeah, it Why? Just, I can't even. It just makes my life hell. Yeah, so so this was <laughs> last four years of my what life. the hell would you <laughs> do that? <laughs> I really don't know.
2: <laughs> oh, if there are any typesetters listening, don't do that. That's just weird.
0: <laughs> also What's it seems about? like a lot of work to do that. So Yeah, it makes yeah. no sense. I don't know. This is beyond me.
1: <laughs> so you first you first developed the um the, the R package, um which which I, I started using when it first came out. Um, but then, more recently, you had the web interface, which is statcheck.io. Is that is that the website? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, which which we'll put a link to on the show notes. And I think that's really awesome. made it a game changer because a lot of people um, uh, get very afraid when you mention you have to open up R to to do this thing, uh, particularly particularly within the psychological sciences and the more social sciences. So I think um, you know it's such a game changer actually putting it on there. Uh, and it's just it's just easier and it's just quicker, I think, as well. Um, On a personally for myself, um, any paper that I review, I, I, pu- I put straight through there just to make sure. Um, because a lot of my stuff is more in the medical sciences, and that doesn't often adhere to APA format. It doesn't get as much, but it usually gets something. And um, you know, I, I think maybe twenty percent of the time I've actually um, I've found uh, errors, which has more been kind of reporting uh, copy and paste errors. And the um, uh, the authors have actually been quite um, uh, quite appreciative. Um, The editor thinks I'm amazing because the editor thinks I'm actually (laughs) manually going through and checking all these things, Um, but uh, it's it's been really good. Now, I know um, I I recently submitted a paper to to PLOS One, um, which was a a frustrating experience, but I'll discuss that another time. Um, And one of the things they do is a pre-flight checklist or um, they do a checklist for images before you actually submit images to PLOS One um, to make sure they actually go through uh, yeah, uh, they're the right size, the right dimensions. Um, now, have any journals actually considered or are any journals now using StatCheck in the same sort of way? Are people actually doing it before they submit? Is this a thing that's happening?
0: Uh, yeah, actually. Um, not at a very large scale. At the moment, uh, the only journal that is that I know of that is using it in their review process is uh, the journal Psychological Science. Oh, wow. Okay. And. Um, yeah, they're doing this pilot in which they scan f- within the editorial team, they scan papers that are not immediately desk rejected. So they, they don't scan all submissions, but if papers are going to go, uh, are going to undergo review, they will scan it with stat check and they will tell the authors, this is what we found. Um, perhaps you could look at it. And I'm not really sure how many papers they have scanned with it so far, but, um, yeah, well, at least I haven't heard any negative experiences, <laughs> um, which is usually good. Um, so I'm I'm actually quite curious. I, I actually, have, now you mentioned it, I have to email them to see when this pilot study ends and when we are going to review how this went. But yeah, I think it's very progressive of them to just go ahead and try it. Um, we're also currently discussing some possibilities of using StatCheck with Elsevier. Um wow. But that is... Uh, yeah, that's, that's going rather slow. There's, there are no major updates there. And um, this spring I will actually visit uh, PLOS to discuss StatCheck there. So who knows, perhaps we can um, work something out that they will include StatCheck in their checklist as well. That would, that's actually a very good idea. Now you mentioned the checklist.
1: Yeah, no, that, that'd be excellent. I think it'd make a huge difference. And it's just going to save everyone headaches as well. I mean, uh, journals don't want to retract papers so, if you no, can actually stop yeah. errors in the beginning, it, it'll it'll be fantastic.
0: Yeah, especially because they're usually quite minor errors. But it's yeah, if you know that's in your published paper, then it it sucks because there's an error in your paper. But do you want to file a correction for such a minor error? Not really, because then you have a correction attached to your paper. So if you can just yeah. sort of yeah, be sure that there's you nothing check more that frustrating. out beforehand
2: nothing more frustrating than you you would say, oh, we have to correct this. Yeah, uh, all the degrees of freedom were slightly wrong and none of the results have changed, but then you had a correction issued and corrections have a feeling about them. And the feeling is is it's something you should have got right in the first place. But uh, if it's totally minor and it doesn't matter, then yeah, this is the the using it beforehand aspect of, of all of these tools is obviously the ideal goal.
0: Yeah, and especially because if you, yeah, you might think it doesn't really matter because it doesn't change my conclusion. But if people have to use these results for meta-analysis, for instance, uh, it actually can affect the results in, in ways that you cannot foresee if you're just looking at your paper standalone. So, Yeah.
1: Yeah, it, it does make a big, a big difference there. Um, I've, I've done a lot of meta-analysis in my time, and um, I've even noticed within papers of like, hang on a minute, those degrees of freedom, and that f-statistic does not match up. Um, yeah. And um, I've had to sort of recalculate it um, from, 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 from scratch there, from, from doing meta-analysis, so it'll make a, it'll make a big difference. Well, we'll uh, take a quick break, and uh, we'll be back soon, and we're going to be discussing more about meta-research. back to Everything Hurts and this episode we are discussing meta research with a special guest, Michelle Neuton. Um, Now, if you want to contact Everything Hurts, there's a few ways you can do that. You can speak to us on Twitter. We are at Everything Hurts. Um, You can also contact us on Facebook. Just search Everything Hurts there. Um, And if you want to follow uh, our guest Michelle on Twitter, you can as well. Uh, Her username is Michelle Neuton and that's spelled M-I-C-H- E l e n u i j t e n, and we'll also put that in the show notes. Uh, so yeah, and thanks everyone for your comments as well. We've got a lot of great feedback from our uh, from our last episode. Uh, so all the all the retweets um, and the and the episode ideas as well, um, are fantastic. So keep them coming in. But today we are talking meta research. Um now, Michelle, I, I understand that um you're part of the Meta Research Center in Tilburg University, which um uh, does a lot of stuff. Now w- what are some other areas that um that your research center covers?
0: Um yeah, well actually at the meta research center at the moment we are with nine people, I believe, by heart. Yeah, nine. Whoa. And um yeah, we, we cover really a lot of areas. So um there are people working on publication bias and how to detect it and how to correct for it. Um, people are working, about, working on fraud and how to automatically detect fraud, which is still um, very much in development, but it's a very interesting line of research. Um, there are uh, studies in which we are looking more closely at meta-analyses in general. Um, let me think, what else do we do? What don't we do? with With a lot of research going on
1: yeah Actually, the whole
0: our, our, uh, uh, uh basically my supervisor and, and sort of the 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 leader of this group, just uh just uh, received a two million grant the two million euro grant for this line of research, so you really can see that yeah interest for this type of research is really growing.
1: And that's fantastic because mm. a lot of people have Good. almost done this a little done meta research a little bit on the side. I mean, James and I have done a little a bit of meta-research. a little meta-rese-
2: bit on the side.
1: <laughs> well, it's
2: all side, man. It's all, all, It's
1: all it's side. just all sides. So, I think it's I think it's great that now we have research centers that are actually funded to specifically look, uh, look look at these problems. Now, you mentioned the detection of fraud. Has there been any any papers or any development, or is that still within development? Those, um...
0: That's yeah. That's still very much within development. There are some yeah things that you can theoretically look at. My my colleagues um, Marcel van Osse and Chris Hartring are currently looking at that. Um, they, there was actually quite a long piece in the published in the Guardian uh, the other day that really measures out their their research quite broadly. But yeah, basically it entails that they are looking for patterns in data that are very unlikely if the data were generated. Um, through just sampling and just yeah normal procedures.
1: So that's almost that that sort of forensic looking at forensic data yeah. analysis in that sense. There, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely throw that link up on the um, on the website as well. Um, and it's just it's just really tricky because a lot of these things. Um, I mean, l- l- let's talk briefly about the Brian Wansink case at the moment. Um, it's oh just- yeah. It's just an absolute waterfall. I think I, I recently saw a, um, a post which collated all the errors that have been found so far. What, what, what's, it, what, what's the number up to now, James? 34. So, th- 34 papers that have big, big, fat question marks on them.
2: They have either strong evidence of self-plagiarism, data duplication that ranges from that's alarmingly the same through to, okay, you've just reproduced the entire table. Um, Grim errors, sprite errors, stat check errors. Uh, basically, it is a cavalcade of stuff that went wrong. Uh, and it starts in about 1996 and it ends about right now. Uh, it's hugely problematic
1: and we don't quite know what any of it means yet. And that, that that's the tough thing. So, you know, what is the difference? Where do you draw the line between this group is incredibly sloppy and got a lot of things wrong and obviously they need to correct the scientific record especially if it changes conclusions versus fraud and i think that's the really tough thing how is how is your group dealing with that when it comes to separating sloppiness versus fraud
0: i think i well no i i doubt that in the near future we can actually automatically make that distinction because I think the definition of fraud really has to do with the intentions with which certain errors were made or certain yeah, data, certain data was fabricated. So if you accidentally fabricate data, don't ask me how, but say that you did, then I, I don't think you can mark it as fraud. But, well, don't call me on that. Um, I think what is um, most important is that you can sort of both... Uh, flag irregularities in data, irregularities in uh, reported results, but also irregularities in the logistics. So basically you can't remember any of the names of any of the student assistants you claim um, that have collected data. Um, you, your computer yeah. got stolen, broken they, they and burned at the same Look time. The
1: computer mysteriously <laughs> you, you don't have any
2: notes on paper. They all disappeared. <laughs> they the all dog go. ate so much homework.
0: Yeah, dog. Yeah, if if all this this these different types of evidence are against you then yeah, then you have a, a very difficult case. But it, it gets more complicated because if you never admit fraud, I don't think you can ever legally at least accuse someone of fraud. But yeah. I, I usually I sort of try to keep out of this fraud region. I'm I'm yeah, because it's so complicated.
1: Now, I think it, yeah. with, with a lot of cases, um, quite often the way is that clinical research tends to lead the way in these things. Um, I was part of a... Uh, I've run a few clinical trials and continue to run them. And one of the things that we do is that um, when it comes to like everything, is just the, the, the amount of documentation that we have for all our records and record keeping. Um, when it comes to the audit trails of us actually entering data. So if I enter a bit of data in and then three months later I change it, I need to type in the reason for why I'm changing it and, um, and, and it actually logs which person logged in to do this at what time and you can actually go back and, and, and detect these things and that's actually a great way and I think it's incredibly important for clinical research obviously because there are implications there um, but yeah, I, sure. I, I really hope that this sort of um, uh, the, the audit trails because then you can actually say well, we have, we, have, we have this mistake but this is why this change happened um, or if there are accusations then you can go back and go no, we're, we're completely clean um, but unfortunately, these things are expensive. Um, so there's—I'm uh, not sure if there's any open access or any cheap solutions when it comes to doing this kind, th- these types of audit trails in, in order to, um, um, you know, so that anyone can check. Actually... Th-
0: GitHub, maybe. Just yeah. any for, any form of version control would work, I guess.
2: Yeah, uh, uh, you'd have to if you were using um, patient or participant data. Though you'd have to be, you'd have to get an IRB to agree that it was secure to be used like that that yeah. that could be tricky yeah I mean that's a thing and the, the tool, the tool. it depends on your IRB at that point and what the research is about
1: mm. yeah I mean and, and that's one of the reasons why these tools are expensive because these these actually these tools have um, have all the things in place to actually say you know we're secure we do XYZ you know we have two-factor authentication to get in all this kind of stuff, which is important when you are dealing with participant data, especially when you are dealing with very specific uh, participant populations. There is only so many people mm. in Oslo with autism that are aged, you know, <laughs> twenty, twenty-three. So you have to you have to take yeah. these um these things into account. Um, but it's uh yeah, it's 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 just crazy, you know. Um, when it comes to that that line between fraud and just being sloppy, but it looks like uh, the very least, all these tools, including StatCheck, including Grim, and what, what's the brother of Grim, James? Grim, no. Sprite, Sprite, yes. All these. Oh, there's
2: still so much to say about that, but that's not for
1: today. Yeah, all all these tools are going to be fantastic at actually just checking inconsistencies because uh, at least it actually raises and starts the conversation. There's something wrong here. Something doesn't match up, and that's the most important thing because then you can go in and and and, um and actually do that. But I I think a lot of this actually comes down to the negativity that is associated with correcting errors because right now. If you see a correction, it's like mentioned before. It's kind of like whoa, correction. So I I think if there was some way of actually changing the culture around making it easy to make corrections, um, almost like a uh, like a badge system. You know, this is a that makes it extremely obvious that this is a correction which had no. You know, it was simply a typo. Has absolutely no implication whatsoever. Versus a. Um, you know, this is a bit sloppy versus a absolute retraction. I, you know, I, I think that that needs to change for this, so people don't get so uppity when um, when the correction needs to get made.
2: Well, it's yeah. it, it, part of part of it stems from um, part of it stems from the fact that a journal article now is similar to how a journal article was in the nineteenth century. That it's something that's published and sent out, and it becomes part of an indelible record. It's not like an online record where it can be updated with something. I mean, right now, um, if you publish a paper and then you fail to believe that it worked anymore and you say, look, I fully admit to being completely full of shit. There's actually no way in some aspects for you to go and change your own research record because it's been published elsewhere. You can't update your own stuff you, yep. and not even not even to have it pulled. you can't even you can't even issue you, you, you can't even issue your own expression of concern or similar. <laughs> it just goes it just goes out there and it it goes it goes on the indelible record of truth and knowledge and that's the end of the story. And considering how easy it is to update things and the fact that everything else online has had an updatable log since the late 90s, that's kind of mental.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I actually just recently got an email from someone who uh, got a result flagged on Pubpeer, which was, uh, yeah, correctly flagged, so to speak. So there really was something off. But it wasn't really influential. But he was like, yeah, well, I'm glad this was was flagged and I'm going to email the editor to, to see if we can correct this. And the editor emailed back, yeah, this is too small an error to correct, which is... Yeah, it really has to do with, with this emotion that is attached to having a correction, yeah. also for a journal, I think. Because it also yeah. said, yeah, they feel it says something about the journal, whereas I would say, well, it says much more about a journal if they are like, oh, yeah, this is a mistake, let's yeah. update in. As, it. should uh, have recommended to include check as a,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah, look, if you, we, we, we had... Uh, going through the 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 process of getting that grim paper together you get some wildly disparate responses from people when you say dear author uh your paper is full of stuff that confuses and infuriates us uh you get responses from in some people will write back in two hours and go what really that's serious we need to we need to check all of that stuff i don't want errors in my paper this is i thought all of that was fine um and Almost invariably, they're the ones you don't have to worry about. There is a pattern here. Um, some people will wait wait five months and then write back going, yeah, well, you know, maybe I'll send you some data on a Tuesday next February and then <laughs> just sort of let it slide. Um, attitudes to that differ wildly, and they really do as well between editors and, uh, editors and journal staff. Some of them are just not interested in having their... They 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 really they really think that it's a value judgment on what they've done. Like the, the moment the moment they've let it in, it's something that they need to protect because it's theirs. It's like you're hurting their brand,
0: which I also sort of get. You know, if if I've mm. I've, I've received uh, criticism about StatCheck as well, and I really if I get an, a sort of a pissed off email, then I really have to sort of improve myself. Okay, this is not personal. This is about work. <laughs> so the trick is not to reply immediately, but I think a lot of people don't know that trick or don't care or don't realize uh how easy it is to to let these things go out of control if you just respond out of yeah, your hurt feelings or something. Because in the end it's it's all uh, yeah, it's science. If if my program is not right, if there's a bug in there, I need to know about it and I need to correct it. That is just the way it works. And I might not like it but it's the way it works.
1: Aaron, what's the typical? what's typically in these emails? Is it people contacting you saying, you flagged this thing and it's not right, or I can't believe you're doing this? Or What's the general theme of the type of emails that you do get for, for, for criticisms for
0: stat check? Well, actually, they're usually quite mild in a sense. Well, let me say this. Uh, my colleague, Chris Hartling uh conducted this project to to scan 50,000 papers and post the results to pubpeer. Yeah. And uh we basically as a group gave him our blessing, but once he actually did it, I started to get a little bit nervous um because I was like, "Ooh, what kind <laughs> of angry emails, emails am I going to receive because my name is on the on the software?" Um but it actually wasn't that bad. I only got I think one email that was just rude. And then yeah, I stopped replying to that, but the rest I actually got a lot of positive reactions um, as well, even from people whose articles were wrongly flagged. So StatCheck made a mistake and they emailed back like, um, yeah, I received this this message and I think uh, the program made a mistake, but cool program, uh, keep it up. And some people were like, yeah, um, I don't really know what this is, but I don't think the program is correct, so yeah, can you respond to this? And that was sort of it. People don't really in general get very upset or at least not with me.
1: That's good. P- people are keeping it yeah. generally civil yeah. and keeping it about the program. That's, that's good. And what are the, what are the plans for StatCheck in the future?
0: Um, I've got so many plans for it. Like I have this posted, this, this digital post-it that is off my screen now because it's so long with things I'd like to do <laughs> and things that I would need to do. Um, one thing I would really like to do is see if I can expand it to different fields. I think that is that would be very useful because right now it can only read APA-reported results and in practice that basically just means it can only read psychological articles. Um, I think it would be very interesting to see if we can expand it to the biomedical sciences, uh, maybe to economics and basically any other field that we can think of. Um, but I think biomedical sciences um, is the first thing I would like to try. I have no idea at this point how feasible that is. Um, So another thing that we would really like to do is to see if we can make the algorithm less rigid, because the reason we cannot check other fields is, yeah, because we had to program it so rigidly that it only searched for very specific things. So if we manage to get these natural language processing, cool machine learning things in it, then perhaps it's also easier to expand it to other fields. So that are the two main broad things that I would really like to incorporate. And the rest is mainly a lot of things that I I think like, oh, maybe I should make this output nicer. This is sort of inconsistent the way I give it back now. And maybe this plot method is not very useful. Hmm, this is a weird bug. Just, yeah, a very, very long list of small things I'd like to update.
1: I think that will be fantastic if you could expand to the biomedical sciences. There's a huge need there as well. Because, uh, I mean, uh, I-
2: there, there really is, but I'm, I'm seriously tempted to say, please do economics. <laughs> I think horrors await. <laughs> it could be, that could be, I mean, if you think the hurt feelings are, are, are occasionally bad now. I know they're not, I think, what you've told us, they're not as bad as we've been led to believe. I think it's more the fact that people who've had to write about it in the public domain have thought, maybe it'll make a better story if people are outraged that this is happening. And you get one or two people who go, oh, I've had my feelings hurt by a robot. And <laughs> it, it, it makes a good article. It makes a good article. But um, I, yeah, it doesn't sound like you're receiving a lot of direct negativity. But if you do economics, I think you will.
0: Yeah, I think what I hear from, for instance, the differences in, in how dissertation defenses go in psychology or in economics, I can sort of predict that the reactions in economics might be slightly less friendly. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> this is all speculation. I have no idea, actually.
1: That's <laughs> oh, an empirical question. Then you could... Uh... <laughs> yeah,
0: I know, yeah.
1: Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> fury and evoked
2: responses yeah. between fields within the social <laughs> sciences
1: oh well we uh we really look forward to to seeing the um the, the changes that you're going to make all the, the the future updates for for Check and uh fingers crossed at least from from our ends that you're gonna um that there's going to be an implementation for the biomedical sciences and for economics as well because so that'll just be interesting um well, before we uh, before we finish up for today, we, we do like to ask our guests a few questions just to get to, to know them a bit better, but also more to understand uh, how they work because people are very interested in seeing how other people work. I know I am, at least, at seeing how other people work. Uh, so we have a few quick fire questions for you today, Michelle. First thing, what is something that you believe that others think is crazy?
0: That's actually quite a difficult question either because <laughs> um, the, yeah, I, th- I think that sometimes people think I'm overly optimistic in the sense that I think that uh, psychology is actually changing and is improving their research methods if I see what's happening around me how, how much meta research is popping up, how my friends in more applied psychology fields are uh, going about their research right now, then I am very positive that this replication crisis that we're currently in is sort of going to get better. That the quality of research is actually improving. But there are quite a lot of people that are much more cynical than I am and basically say we should burn the entire scientific field and maybe start over. That,
1: that's that's the approach that we need. Just score the Just <laughs> so, start, start over again.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe. So that's so. In the sense the of what space lasers other, others approach.
1: Think, Beautiful. It's, it's crazy... <laughs> People just think I'm
0: naive. Maybe I would like to say optimistic.
1: That's that's good. Uh, that's good. Uh, hopefully, it is changing. Uh, okay. Second question: What is the best, almost worthwhile investment that you've made for your career?
0: Um, I would say learning R, learning to, I to
2: program. I knew it was gonna be R. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Did you pre-register that hypothesis? <laughs> um,
2: uh, no, it's just I've had 39 episodes of this one pissing in my ear about how amazing R is. It's just everyone. Ah, this is social pressure. All right.
0: Well, actually, yeah. I, I have to say I, I only know how to program in R. So I, I say R, but I think my the, the, the reasoning holds up for just programming in general because what I really like about learning how to program is that you force yourself to, to really very concretely um, specify what you want to know what you want to calculate what Mm. you want to simulate what you want to do basically and once you start programming uh, a scenario or a simulation then you realize which parts you actually did not really think out that well or you didn't understand and I think that It's just that that way of thinking really is useful also just in writing papers. So even if you're a psychologist that never does uh, analyses more advanced than a T-test, I still think it's useful to learn how to program.
1: And did you teach yourself or were you taught formally?
0: Um, Both. Um, In my master's, we had a – or my bachelor's actually already, I think. Yeah, we had a course in, uh, in our programming and it was relatively basic so just a yeah the basic syntax the basic way it worked but then yeah the way i learned it was just really trial and error just spending days on google trying to fix a bug (laughs) and uh stack overflow everything so i uh, yeah it was mainly a trial and error process that lasted years
1: Yeah, Stack Overflow is amazing for that kind of stuff. Um, I was going to be worried that when I Google something and there's just no response, or the worst is when you Google something, someone's asked the exact same question and no one's responded and it was like a year old. Yeah,
2: and that was was four years ago. That's a
1: sinking feeling.
0: That is just horrible, yeah.
1: Okay, uh, final question. Uh, What's one book or paper that you would recommend that everybody should read?
0: um well I, th- I think you can also predict that everyone says oh it's so hard to pick one because there's so many um but i think if you're not really at home in this this field of meta science and you don't really see uh the use for it or you yeah or this is just a new topic then i would really recommend um the papers, the paper by uh, Simmons Nelson and Simonson Uh, which is called False Positive Psychology, Undisclosed Flexibility in Data Collection and Analysis, and how it allows for presenting anything as significant. And it's a paper that I always show when I give a workshop about uh, questionable research practices or improving the way you work, because it illustrates how you can make every result significant without committing fraud or things that are not allowed. So within the lines of what is allowed, you have mm-hmm. so much flexibility in selecting things, just until you find something significant. And I think it's it's very, it's a very good way to illustrate um, what statistics mean and how serious you should take them in which situations.
2: I have to read that paper again. That's a up. very good answer. This is when I'm 64, Dan.
0: Exactly. Yeah. This <laughs> is
2: the this is the original this is the original. Uh, Genesis behind the i, I built a i built a simulator for uh, taking biopsych results taking biopsych results and artificially beating them with methods that are actually legitimate until it returns uh, until it returns a group difference um, the data a until it confess. a few years ago <laughs> so yeah 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 pretty much it just it just it just punts it around the room for a while until it comes up with a, a combination of it's not even, and it's not even moving between variables. It's just different ways of managing the same variables. And if you if you don't, if you're not interested in how the analysis pathway works, then it just turns out different numbers. But you know, people in biological psychology often aren't. And that paper was where the idea came from. He said, "Well, because you, Dan, you might remember that so they they asked people a bunch of different, extremely goofy questions." Um, and then found essentially that a a combination of variables worked by chance yeah that's right and then proved that and then proved conclusively using the (laughs) p-values that listening to the song when i'm 64 actually makes you older or something similarly facile i remember yeah it was just it's a really really good demonstration of how to fiddle stuff um, yeah, and so everyone's listening who thinks it's supposed to be like like a textbook of how to get published, that's not the point. <laughs> Don't do that.
0: They actually well, also show to. a very good solution to it because what is so difficult about these things is that there's no one answer how to do it the right way then. Um, yeah. And one of their answers basically is, well, just do whatever you think is best. Just mention that you did that. So if you want to try 40,000 covariates, sure, do it. Go ahead. You might not get published, but go ahead. Um, But mention somewhere that that is what you did until you found significant result, Hmm. which seems like a very easy-to-implement solution for this entire crisis to me.
2: Hmm. Seems straightforward. Well there you go. There's some evidence you can give the medical crowd, Dan, what to do with their forty thousand covariates. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and
2: nine surveys on the same thing with their the, five
1: different restrictions the, each. They've sold it with genetics in that they've um they've done now appropriate corrections for, for for testing in genetics, but now we just have to have you know, the the rest of the biomedical sciences needs to needs to clean house. Um it's it's better with pre registration, yeah. obviously. Um, but uh, yeah it's uh yeah we will we'll, we'll definitely post a a, um, a link to that um, to that paper because um yeah i'm gonna, I'm gonna read it again soon as well yeah uh, it's a
0: fun read as well yeah
1: well uh thanks for for joining us today, Michelle. We really appreciate your 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 time and uh hearing more. About, uh, about stat check um, we will put the, um, the, the link the, and now we have James that is James's, the
0: cutest cat James' cat
2: <laughs> has joined us you as can't, well you can't come
1: on you can't come on
2: without meeting the mascot everything hurts he's just as a post but for some, for some reason he's the
1: mascot
0: yeah, I'm still trying to get my, my department head to approve of an office cat, but so far no luck.
1: Ah, oh, that would be so good. We, we we had a dog in our floor, James, during our PhD. Remember, there was a dog that was kind of, um that the, I don't remember the name of the academic. She was two doors down from us and she brought a dog in. It <laughs> was this enormous dog that just sat in its office, didn't make a peep. I think it was like a German Shepherd. Don't you remember that, James?
2: <laughs> no, it was an Irish setter. Okay. Uh, that was Laura's dog. It was a gorgeous dog. Uh, it's a great big red setter. Yeah. Yeah, Good. we had a, we had a, we had sort of the honorary floor dog. It was excellent. Keep, keep working on your people.
1: I, I want to make it happen as well, but it's a bit difficult because I, I technically work at a hospital and I just know the staff would just lose oh. their minds. Adopt a, adopt a sick guy. I don't know. <laughs> it'd be, it'd be a bit tricky. Um, but, uh, but yes, that is, um, that is all for all the time we have for today. Make sure you check us out on Twitter and on Facebook you know the places and leave a review on iTunes as well if you love it, if you don't love it um, but also just give us some feedback of what you want to hear more of you always say that don't review us if you don't love it <laughs> just vote, vote, vote with your feet and don't tell anyone it's five stars or nothing that, that, that's our approach here
0: Publication <laughs> yeah, by as much <laughs> that's how we yeah, do sh- it sh- <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> secrets are slipping out here yes all right
1: Yeah, all the best. Yeah, thank
0: you very much, and good luck with the show. No worries. Thanks.